What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Hive Jive. And this episode is a very important episode. We have been putting some teasers out there on social media. And for our Patreon fans, uh, there's been some notifications and stuff that have come off. And also the last bonus episode uh, was a little foreshadowing as well. So we are here today to kind of bring to a conclusion this original experimentation of, of the podcast and what this was. So we started this, oh gosh. So this is the third year of the podcast mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that would have meant that it would have been probably the winter of 2018. Right about right. When we actually started off recording episodes because we, we started going into the studio and recording episodes and then had a good chunk of them done before we actually started releasing. And they started releasing in January of 2019. Um, mm -hmm. And the whole concept of the show was this beginner beekeeping track where we took Ken and Ken wanted to be a beekeeper, but hadn't really ever had any experience in that realm nope. and thought that it would be an amazing model to go through and shadow Ken's journey a day at a time, you know, all the way through the whole process. That way, everybody could not only follow along, but they could learn along with Ken. And any of the mistakes and things that normally come up when you first get started or any questions that you may have, all of that could actually be part of the show. And it would help everybody else out there who's maybe going through the exact same things or who, you know, might be coming up to that point and then they can have that information ahead of time and know how to maybe correct it or make a different choice that could have a different outcome and not necessarily go down, you know, some of those same pitfalls that we all eventually experience when we're doing this. So that was the original concept. Uh, we absolutely had no idea <laughs> what, what that was going to turn into or where it was going to take us. And it has been a very fun and wild ride for certain. Yep. Um, definitely not what I ever expected. Uh, I don't, I don't know about you, but, um, I certainly didn't expect in the very first year to make it into the top three of Apple podcasts, uh, their list of all their different podcasts. Well, at the time it was iTunes. Um, but for mm -hmm. all of the hobby category. So any hobby podcast out there that was under that category, this little beekeeping podcast in the very first season made it to the number three spot, which was yep, phenomenal. Yes. For all the podcasts out there. Um, and then in the world, that was the, uh, we had done a, well, we didn't, we got looped into some beekeeping podcast that you should be listening to in this year. And that one ranked us technically number two in the world. Uh, there was one other podcast at the time that they did rank higher than us, but that one was not in the United States. So we took the caveat of the number one beekeeping <laughs> podcast in America. <laughs> so yeah, it's all about how you spin it, how you twist it. Um, and that was fun. That was that was definitely fun. When we started off, something that was really cool is because Mr. Milam is a radio DJ by trade and uh, also mm -hmm. a, a fishing guide prior. Um we got the opportunity to actually start the show off 
at the radio station. So the show initially yep. was housed under the umbrella of iHeart. And we got to go through and do this whole thing with really fun toys in a cool little environment and atmosphere. And a lot mm -hmm. of the initial behind the scenes videos and pictures and things like that of the whole first year of the podcast was at that radio studio. And that was awesome. And we were trucking right along. We were having a great old time. And then COVID happened. <laughs> yep. that was and all, that all the rules and all the plans just flew right on out the window. But we had started to have a little bit of friction over what iHeart was willing to do and not willing to do to help the show, but what iHeart wanted to do with the show. And COVID and the studio shutting down and everything else kind of forced us to reevaluate and kind of catapult ourselves out of that environment so that we could continue doing the show. And that's when everything switched over to the system that we're on right now, which is a, it's going through Podbean, but we're able to do it virtually. And we can do this live system where we can still communicate and do everything without having to physically be in person. Because as everybody knows, the world stopped and that was not a option any longer. And we, we rode that little wave like everybody else did, trying to figure out how to make it work. And there was obviously some sound challenges in there because when we first started before the studio, like before we actually said goodbye to the studio, we were doing it via the phone. So the studio would allow like Ken in or allow Eric in. Eric was uh, the original person that would help Producer. us record the episodes back in the day. Mm -hmm. I don't like that term because if you're not in radio, you don't understand what that means. Because a producer in a movie is a completely different thing than a, a producer oh, for audio. Um, so for those out there that don't understand what producer means, it is not the financial backing or the person that designs and creates no. the show. If it's in radio, it's the soundboard operator. It's the guy that runs yep. the soundboard. <laughs> That's what a producer is in radio. So um, makes everything so, sound good. Well, in our case, he hit record and he hit stop. <laughs> yeah, that's basically <laughs> so, it. Yeah. And then John did all uh, the work. Yeah. We, we, we sat in there and provided all the content. He just hit record and hit stop. And yep. then I would take that raw data and I would go edit it and I would add in the intro music and the outro music and, you know, cut out silence or bloopers and goofs and things like that. And in the process of cutting out those things, we started ending up with interesting content, extra content that didn't necessarily have to do with the main topic of the show, but it was still kind of entertaining or, or it might be valid. It just didn't go with that topic and we could use it somewhere else. So in that first season, as this started to kind of happen, we started having initially what we called random clips. They were bonus episodes that were random clips. And it was a series of anywhere from like three minute to 10 minute segments, little chunks that were cut out of other episodes and we would go through and stitch those together to put out a bonus episode of random clips. And we had several of those throughout the course of that first season and maybe a little bit into the second season as well. And also sometimes these extra things would be big enough because we would be BSing for two hours. And out of all of that, there was maybe 40 minutes of content that fit the topic but we still had this hour and 20 minutes of stuff out there and we could actually turn that into a completely different show all on its own. And we started releasing bonus episodes. So to date, here we are in the third season of the show to date, we have recorded a total of 117 main segment episodes that were released every Monday or, you know, initially the show was actually supposed to be just the first and third Mondays of the month. 
And mm -hmm. we started getting a lot of people that were like, hey, we would really like to hear more. You should do more of them. And so we started releasing bonus episodes to kind of bridge that gap. And that's where this extra content started going. And then eventually at the beginning of that second year, the bonus episodes transitioned over to Patreon and they've been living on Patreon over there. So in the first year, we did a total of 21 bonus episodes in addition to all the main segment content to date on the main Monday shows that have been coming out every Monday. If you include those 21 bonus episodes, this is our technically our 139th episode that was released free to everybody on the main platform here. Um, on Patreon, there are 83 bonus episodes that have been released out there. And we'll, we'll circle back around to that here in, uh, in just a moment. But that was, that was kind of how everything got started and how it got going. And I mean, I had a blast. That first season was absolutely awesome. I uh, loved it. I, I could not have fathomed the amount of support and feedback and fan base that we would have created. Cause you know, we're just a couple of little country bumpkins in the middle of nowhere talking about bees. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. I didn't really think it was going to turn into that, but totally it was awesome. Now, COVID definitely threw everything for a loop. COVID was just this nightmare for everyone, and it affected every aspect of everybody's lives, how we, how we live, how we do business, how we function. And that definitely, that caused some changes, but sometimes change and growth is necessary. It's scary, and it can be painful, and you know, there's, there's definitely a learning curve whenever you switch stuff. So we did a little bit by the phone, the audio quality of it, I, it sucked, I hated it. And we were also looking at this getting out from under the umbrella of iHeart so that we could have more independence to do what we wanted and also have full control over our show so that they couldn't do other things with it that they did not want to compensate us for. <laughs> so we we switched over now to Podbean and we've been doing the, the show via Podbean and Podbean Live. And the Podbean Live actually added another fun aspect and we, we didn't use it nearly as much as we had intended but it did allow us the opportunity to actually do live listener shows where the audience was right there with us and they could actually participate and go through and ask questions and have banter and feedback and all of that. And that was absolutely amazing because then we can talk to you directly and we can hear you and it's all in real time. And that was really fun. We got to have, you know, some great conversations with our fans and family down in Australia. You know, we had an entire episode where we got to chat with Brett and mm -hmm. go through and learn all about him and his life and what was going on. And at the time, you know, Brett, Brett was in the running for uh, and I, 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 I lost track of statistics a long time ago. So that's why I say it like this. But Brett was in the running for like literal number one fanatic <laughs> fan. He yep. he and Jacob were in a race to see who could listen to the show the most. And mm -hmm. they they both work in uh, a similar-esque type fields. Jacob drives a truck and Brett, he was working doing other things, but he ended up working in the mines out in Australia. And so mm -hmm. they both were in environments where they could just listen to audio and podcasts and consume a large amount every day. And both of them hit the end of the show. They got caught up to where we were and they would start back over at episode one and do it again and then do it again and do it again and do it again <laughs> ad nauseum to just like insanity. And that's awesome. That, that, that's hugely flattering. Uh, Brett was also our first independent sponsor of the show as well. Mm -hmm. He chose whenever we started doing Patreon, he actually started off choosing to do that top tier 
which was a what did we call it? Um, Don't get made. It was the royal the the royal court. I think is what yep. we had called it, the royal court, which was a hundred dollars a month to go through and help support the mm-hmm. show. But you then the whole show was then dedicated to you, and you know you yep. were announced on there, and it was really awesome. It was intended initially for like corporate sponsorships kind of thing if they wanted to be part of it. And uh, Brett was like, oh, hell no, like this is mine, you know, and and he went through there and he took that and that was awesome. And we super, super appreciated that. Yep. From a a brother from another mother down under. Redneck brother from another mother down under. (laughs) Yep, that's what it was. That that was it. Redneck mother. And and that's how, when we tried to do that intro, how that went sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Ken's redneck brother from another mother down under. Yeah. that was, yeah, and that was fun because then we also got to go through and kind of redo the intro and make it to where we did have fun little things like that in there. And then after Brett stepped down from that royal court level, we had Mark come and join us at that level and help support the show. And Mark is a veteran and, you know, was really taken by our talk about just beekeeping, but then also when we did the episode, the the initial episode with Hives for Heroes. And mm-hmm. that was very meaningful to Mark. And he sent us a very amazing email that we shared with everybody with his permission on the show. And so Mark then became our, our show sponsor for a little while. And, you know, Mark being in the military and and dealing with some of these other aspects and issues that all of the, the people in the military can and have experienced in their lives. And so that was very awesome and meaningful and heartfelt. And we super, super appreciated that as well. So that's that's kind of the the over arc of how that that first season went and then part of that second season. And towards the end of the second year, COVID started to kind of clear up a little bit and life kind of started yeah. looking like it was going to be back to normal. And we had the opportunity. This is something that I've been meaning to tell you for a while, and uh, I keep forgetting about it. Every time we get done recording, I'm like, damn it. Um, we had the opportunity to find a physical space again. And as all of you know, who have been listening to the show, um, we, <laughs> it was the, uh, like the, the weed studio. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it was, was. A, it was a, yeah, it was a massive building. It was a warehouse that had multiple sound studios in it that was intended for bands and different recording artists and stuff to come in there and do stuff. And it wasn't really initially set up and intended for a podcast, but we found a space that would work and we bought all new recording equipment with the, the support and proceeds that we had been getting from Patreon that allowed us to do the Podbean system, to do the live system that we're on now, and allowed us to buy all of our own equipment, our own soundboard and all that. So then we could keep doing the show, even though we weren't in the studio any longer. But we ended up finding this other studio space. And it was it was a hoot. And it was definitely entertaining. And the bonus episodes, you could always tell, like, if we recorded multiple episodes in the studio, which one was the last one. Because we started off with some semblance of sanity. And by the end, hmm. we were just a, like a giggly mess and very yeah, random and off topic most of the time. And looking for munchies. <laughs> and then looking for yeah. food. Um, and we <laughs> joked about it on the air, but it was serious. Like you walked in the front doors of this building and you were hit with a wall of basically <laughs> marijuana. <laughs> like the smell <laughs> permeated yeah every aspect of that building um, there was a lot a lot of people there that were doing medicinal marijuana let's put it that way. i would yeah 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 <laughs> considering it is not yet legal in this state we yeah. will say that it, it was medicinal marijuana yeah um now we never physically witnessed oh i take that back nope. 
we I did witness the the gentleman out front that one morning out there smoking. Yep. And then when he finally went in and opened the door so that we could get in, um, and I talked to him, I was like, Oh my God, that would talk about a contact high. Like I was in that little office with him for less than five minutes, and I was like, Holy <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> The whole building was like that. And we would joke about it on the air and it became kind of just like a little laughing point, but it allowed us to actually be back together in person. Now, we did mention here recently on a, a, a not too long ago episode that they were gutting that building and we, we hadn't used it in a while because, yeah, of course, COVID kind of spiked back up. And so yeah. we had to revert back over to just the virtual system again. But I drove by there. It's in a warehouse district where mm -hmm. they've converted all those warehouses to all kinds of stuff. There's breweries and pubs and uh, commercial kitchens and art studios and like all this stuff there. And so I was driving by to go over to a food truck that's out in that area. And they had gutted the building. Like the whole front half of the building was basically just a roof. And they had taken both wow. stories out. You could see inside and just see the railings. And I was telling you, I was like, dude, our studio is gone. Like our contact high studio is gone. Mm, mm, now mm, mm. they have completed the exterior and I'll be damned. I would have never guessed this. They turned that sucker into a Tesla showroom and service center. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I looked now, up I and I was like, holy crap, that says Tesla on the front of the building. And then like they have service bay doors down the back of it and they've redone the whole thing and stripped it out to where they can have like a big fenced in lot in the back to like house cars that they're working on and stuff. But I, I was like, I would have never thought that. I would have never thought that. I would have not seen that coming. I thought that maybe they were just going to redo it and it was still going to be what it was. But nope, it's Tesla. <laughs> well, you know, the studios we started in, uh, which, you know, now when I go in, there's, uh, the two morning jocks in there doing K, uh, vet, uh, me and Eric. And if I have a guest, that's it. And that's all there is in the building. No salespeople, no managers, nothing. And it's yeah. a huge and so building. We, so when we started off and we said we started off there at the radio station. So that specific radio station that's owned by iHeart was originally one of the aircraft hangers for Penn yeah. Field um, in yep. Austin. And yep. it's a it's the inside of that building is just awesome, especially from like a kind of an industrial architectural standpoint, yep. because they left yep. all the original massive wooden rafters and beams that hold this thing up. And they left it all open where you could see all the the, the structure and the framework and the rafting and, you know, the, the air conditioning system, all of it. You can see everything. And it was really cool. But the front half of the building where you would first come in, they've got a couple of airplane wings. Uh, I think they're the, the tail wings. And yep, they're yeah, and they're they're set up like a water fountain feature where water mm -hmm. runs down them and then drips down into this basin. And mm -hmm. you come in the front doors and there's like a receptionist area and, you know, some kind of more posh designed areas up front where people can meet and greet. And, you know, it's the show in the face of it. Then when you go through the security doors and you come into the rest of it, it's a massive open space. And that's where all of the sales and production crew was yep. all out there. And you had some offices that kind of ringed around that where some of your higher ups would be and yep. some of the 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 jockeys and stuff would have their own offices depending on who they were or the producers or or whatnot. Then you actually at the back half of the building, you actually have the studios. And mm -hmm. there's one, two, three, four small oh, ones oh. and one massive one. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think that's right. There's like three along uh, one wall. Then there's the K vet 
and the the zone studio and then in the middle behind all that and beside it Midnight is the Eagle, massive yeah. studio that used to be bobby bones's studio when he was in austin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and so several that we could just go in there and just cut stuff for ourselves and that's uh, true small but, little yeah. production studios yeah. like the little yeah. little sound rooms yeah yep and that's where that's where this all started was there and in uh you mm-hmm. know we had some people initially speculating like I, I think these guys are actually in a radio station <laughs> yes we were yep, we were we were at first uh and then and then we were in a contact high studio and now it's a tesla dealer well it's not a dealer because they're they're not allowed to sell them in texas which is weird because of some laws in regards to what a auto dealership is and how it has to function um so you can't buy your Tesla here. You have to, you can go in and you can look at it and then you can purchase it from out of state remotely and they will bring it to you, (laughs) which is really funny because they're also building their largest manufacturing center just outside of Austin. They're building one in Kyle. And I think that's just going to be a chip plant. Then they're building the one over by the airport. That's going to be a production plant, you know, for the actual factory cars. They're building one now just for the trucks too. And I don't know where it's going to be. Probably but on the moon because the trucks look like they belong on the moon. I know, but they're building <laughs> one for the trucks too now. Yeah, it's who knows. I mean, it's it's going to bring a lot of opportunities and jobs and stuff to yeah, the area, which is awesome. Is. Um, but yeah. we already have too many people moving to the area as it is, and houses down here are now so rare and non-existent that the prices are a minimum of a hundred thousand dollars over whatever the asking price was, minimum yep. in cash. Yep. Um, right. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, so that that kind of bridges you all the way up through like all the different little stages that we went through. And again, all the way through this whole process was Ken. And, you know, Ken was the the focal point of the show in this initial concept in the whole beginning phase of walking somebody through. I think I might want to keep bees to I'm going to keep bees what to consider, where to put them, how to get them, the different hive styles, how to start taking care of them, what to look for, what this means, all the way up through wrapping them up for your first winter and then bringing them out that next spring and now looking at doing splits and honey harvest and all that. And uh, and Ken was our, our willing participant and guinea pig for this entire thing, which made it all possible. And so we've been able to follow you now along through this whole journey. And I would say... From going, okay, so first off, when you first got started in beekeeping, Mm -hmm. would you say that it is what you expected it would be? No, I didn't think it'd be as near as much work. Uh, But after a while, well, I started off big. (laughs) Well, I guess it was big. I bought, what, uh, 11 packages. And then I uh, had several swarms and then I was buying stuff off of a uh, commercial guy. And, you know, my, my idea is, well, I'm going to have 40 to 50 highs pretty quick. And, uh, yeah, and I kept yeah, saying, we're going to start with three, three or four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we were going to start with three. It was supposed to be three nukes. We were going to yeah. do a top bar nuke, a Langstroth nuke, and then we were going to do a flow hive, which is also just yeah. a Langstroth, but we were going to yeah. do a flow hive. Which to this day does not exist. We never no, did the flow hive. <laughs> never did the flow hive. I bought it, but never put it together. Well, I gave you one, but I didn't give you the inside part. That's the catch right there. So you uh, bought a thing online that you found that was from China that was like a knockoff mm-hmm. that was cheaper. Yeah. And when we finally got around to actually gonna open it up and do a video of building it, we found that it's literally just the freaking box 
It's no, not the flow frames at all. No, no, <laughs> so no. yeah, we had a really fancy Langstroth box. We didn't have a flow hive. And that was kind of the big kicker with that. And that's why it never came to fruition is because ultimately, it apparently it never existed. <laughs> yep. No. Uh, but yeah, we were supposed to start the whole concept and, and experimentation was supposed to start with three colonies, work your mm -hmm. way up through those. And then Ken was like, oh, but the other way you can get bees is packages. And he started looking online and ordered Love a bunch of packages. packages yeah. Yep. And then the next year he did it again. <laughs> and then you did. You found yeah. you found your commercial beekeeper who was going through yep. and selling off all their equipment. And uh, mm -hmm. you definitely benefited from that. You got a load of boxes and frames, already yep. drawn comb, um, you know, setups, bottom boards, you name it. The whole shebang, which gave you also, you know, a, a big boost that a lot of the audience wouldn't have if they were just starting mm -hmm. off with one or two hives and kind of growing their way through it. So, um, but yeah, I would, I would agree. Beekeeping is, it sounds like this amazing, peaceful Zen thing. And if you have one or two colonies, it absolutely can be an amazing, peaceful Zen thing. But once you start getting more and more colonies, there is definitely a threshold where it becomes a lot of work, a lot of work. And also it can be a bigger financial contribution. I don't know if that's the right way to say that, but it, it can be yeah, a bigger financial drain actually than people would expect yeah. as well. Because if you don't know that you can build a top bar hive for 50 to $75 and you don't necessarily have the equipment to build a hive yourself, period, and you choose to go the route of a Langstroth, like bare bones minimum already assembled hive that's not even painted is about 100 to 150 bucks. And that doesn't necessarily include all the boxes that you will need for the future of that hive. That's just to get you started. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the brood box, maybe a medium inner cover bottom board lid, you know, and, and that's none of the expansion. But that's also not counting your bees. You haven't paid for the bees. And that's, you know, that's a whole nother expense that sometimes you don't think about. So it can definitely be a big financial toll burden, um, depending yep. on your status, you know, what, what you have to work with for, for certain. So yes, I would agree with those two things. Not as easy as I thought and or way more work than I expected and also way more money <laughs> than I would have expected. Yep. And the Varora mites have added, a, when I started thinking about it, I was only six and now we're looking at was in the 60s and we didn't have Varora mites then. And then when I decided, well, I think I'll, you know, I kind of quit guiding and wanted to do something. So I decided, well, I'll, then Callahan's one day and one of my sponsors on the radio show. And I think I want to get in the bee business. Y'all know anybody? And that's how me and John met. And, uh, that's where it took off from there. But I didn't know about the Aurora mites until, you know, well, you don't have to check these and you got to put your suit on. You I don't care if it's hot, you get out there and do it anyway. And da, 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 da. And yeah, but it's a, it's a job. If you do it right, it's definitely a job. And, uh, well, that yep, kind of leads was, into, uh, to my second question is what do you think the hardest part of beekeeping has been for you? I may say when I was guiding, I got, I had, I didn't have a heat stroke. I had heat exhaustion. And the heat is, uh, was probably the hardest part of it all. Uh, me putting that suit on and going out there and getting hot. And, uh, that was probably the hardest part and the hardest. And also, uh, you know, just, uh, being going in there and opening up that hive. And then after a while, 
after a, a, few, a number of stings, and I started swelling up and not exactly allergic to them. It wasn't making my tongue swell or, you know, I could breathe all right, but the outside of me would start swelling when I got stung. Uh, I know John since y'all so show chose some pictures of when I got stung <laughs> under the chin, we, we had several yeah. facial, uh, yeah, social media posts of yeah. your face because you get you got stung in the chin, like hands down. If you're gonna get stung, it's in the chin for you every time. Oh, like, yeah. You yeah. always got stung in the chin. Yeah. Oh, Max, uh, when he was up in Odessa, I mean Lubbock, he told me, my dad, all those Hispanic guys, they have the big sombrero hats with the thales that come down to the suit like you won't. I says, yeah. He said, they, that's what all of them have. That's what they use. And he says, I asked him, I said, oh, we don't get stung. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, and it's also, a round, you know, it's a round veil yeah. with a round brim hat that goes all the way around your head. And so the veil comes yep. straight down. They have a loose version of it that like, I've got a safari hat version that I can just pop on real quick. Um, mm-hmm. and then they've also got the one that is part of the suit and it's got a more stiff, rigid veil around it. So it doesn't collapse in on you. Your face doesn't touch it. Therefore you cannot nope. get stung. Nope. Now, if it makes you feel any better yesterday, we were doing a removal and mm-hmm. <laughs> Jorge made the mistake. He got stung in the finger and Jorge hasn't actually been on a job site in a while. And so this is like his first sting really of this year. And he got stung in the finger and yelped and tossed half the stuff off the top of the ladder and came scrambling down real quick and was cussed. It was like, man, that hurts. Oh my God. I can't remember that hurting. And he said, and I quote edited, but I quote, I've been stung in the effing face and it didn't hurt that bad. Why does my finger hurt so bad? <laughs> About 15 <laughs> minutes later, he got stung in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was and right it in the lip. Yeah, it was right Ooh. in the in the chin or like right underneath the lip between his chin and his lip, just, you know, just a little bit down from it. And he was back up on the ladder. He was like, all right, he had recomposed himself. He went back up there and it was an awkward spot where you had to kind of cock your head over to the side and shove your face forward to be able to see back into the rest of the cavity. And that pushed uh-huh. the screen against his face and he got stung yep. on the chin or well, on that on the lip below the lip. Now, yep. me, while he's up there doing this, I went to the truck to get a drink. And I had to unzip the bottom half of my my veil, and I flipped it up, and I took big old drink of water, finished the bottle, put it back in the truck. And be come flip the veil back. No, 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 no. Flip the veil back down. Made sure the velcro was secure. Uh, climbed up the ladder to switch off for him so that he could come down and take a break. And I climbed back up there, had my arms, both of them, way back inside this cavity, and I feel and hear this right up the side of my ear. But it felt like the wings of the bee going against my ear and I immediately grabbed that and pulled it away from my head so that it couldn't get me and scrambled down the ladder real quick because now I've got a bee, at least one bee inside my suit. And I was like, ah, crap. (laughs) And I walk around the corner and I'm like, Hey, I need you to check me for holes because I got a bee. So something's open here. And as soon as I said it, I looked down, I never zipped the veil up. I just flipped the Velcro down and secured the Velcro and I didn't actually pull the zippers together and close them. And I was like, well, crap. And so I'm pulling the bee away from my head and I have to put my face on the other side of it so I can turn my head to look. And in doing so, I put my skin up against the veil so that I could see inside there. And on the outside of my suit, a bee nailed me in the ear. 
on the opposite side of my head from where I was worried about to be inside the suit because my ear was then pressed against the screen and they were able to nail the top of my ear. So we both got stung in the head and we both got multiple stings in the hands and I got one sting in the wrist just behind that knot, you know, kind of the bigger bone on your wrist, just Mm -hmm. behind that, maybe half an inch. I got stung there last night, hours later, sitting on the couch, brushed my hand across my arm hit that spot and like audibly yelped and said another cuss word. It hurts so bad just in that one spot. And I was not expecting that. And today it is actually red and you can tell that my wrist back behind that knot is swollen because the knot almost doesn't exist at the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a red circle about the size of a quarter and it's still tender and sore, but at least it wasn't the sensation that it wasn't the first time. It was like my nerves were on fire. And if I brushed across those hairs there, it, it makes you scream. That's a strange reaction that normally I don't have. But the, the one on Jorge's face just made a knot. It, his, his mouth didn't swell up. His chin didn't swell up. It just made a knot and a red spot in that one little section, almost kind of like he was getting a, a ingrown hair or something right there. And then the one on my ear, it never swelled up, you know, so and the ones on my hands, they didn't swell up. But that one on my wrist, it did. It did swell. And it's a little irritated still this morning. <laughs> so just to make your chin feel better. <laughs> oh, OK. And uh, but, you know, it's just uh, as, uh, as Tara, I said, well, Tara, how many times do you how long when it, you quit swelling? She said, uh, you got about 300 more stings to go and you'll be all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, maybe <laughs> it could go either way. Some beekeepers build up a tolerance, and some beekeepers build up an intolerance. So it just it depends. Um, you never can tell mm-hmm. on that. But yeah, stinging, stinging happens. Picking up the, you know, on the stuff that I bought from Max, he had a five frame nuke and a four frame nuke, and I put both of them into eight frame brood boxes, which they were plenty big. So I put them in a brood box. And uh, put a little feeder on top of them and been, been feeding them. Well, one of the swarms that we had, he had in a he had a swarm trap that was a ten frame brood box, up about twelve feet in the air on top of a tripod deer blind. So we had to let that down and 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 then open it up because he only had in a ten frame brood box, he had four frames. So they had went in there and built a bunch of comb, but that at least they did do it in layers, you know, how, uh, like a top bar. And, uh, so we had to build rescue bar, rescue frames and we grabbed all of that. And I had built about five of them and, uh, there was one laying there that we didn't use. Apparently it got a drop or two of honey on it. And I left it on the barrel. I said, well, yesterday I was, you know, we did that Monday something like that. Uh, so I said, okay, well, I'm going to go get that, that frame and put it up. So I went out there and I wasn't paying no attention. I just grabbed that frame, picked it up and a bee stung me on my, my thumb. I'm sitting there. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, you I squished it stung at least once. Yeah. I guess I squished it when I picked it up and it stung me on the thumb. But, uh, those, uh, oh, and I bought two packages earlier this year. Yep. Those are huge. I mean, they are getting, I'm fixing probably have to stack a, I don't know. I don't really want to put a medium on top of them, but, uh, there it's a little, it's a little late in the year. Got to a be lot of bees. Boxes, yeah. Yeah. They got um, a lot of bees in there. 
but I mean, you do have you have drawn comb, so you can do that and add oh, drawn yeah. comb, and it's oh, not yeah. as big of a deal. Yeah. Um, but if you didn't, if they were, if it was just empty foundations or something, that would be a little nope. bit of a stretch, and they probably would ignore it. But yeah, you yeah. could put uh, drawn comb on there and, and give them some space, maybe. But yeah. um, so that that whole little part of that was uh, what you found the most challenging or the the hardest about this whole journey. So, what has been your favorite part of this beekeeping adventure and becoming a beekeeper? The honey. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, just uh, knowing that uh, you're helping the world. <laughs> you know, you, you, what, did, what did we find out? One bite out of three is brought to you by a bee. So just help feed the world, period. So what, uh, what advice, what, what advice would you give to anybody just starting off or, uh, you know, somebody that's, that's just beginning or in their first year of beekeeping, what advice would you have for them? Get 27 hives colonies and raise those and they will die down to about three. And then that's the ones you work on and keep them alive. <laughs> but no, start well, out with alrighty then <laughs> start out with one or two. And you'll be good. Don't don't get bigger than your britches. Uh, start nope. and grow. Nope. Grow with it. So the, the and that is actually that's a good point. The easiest thing to do is to allow yourself to grow with your colonies and and get those learning curves and things ironed out and get your skill level built up. So start off with you know maybe two colonies and work your way up as you get more experienced. Maybe next year you've got three or four or five, and then if you're gonna keep going. Maybe the year after that, then you have 10 and the year after that, then you have 20, you know, like grow with it until you get to a point where you know that you're comfortable and you can handle everything. I have found that my threshold is about 50 managed colonies. Now, at any point in time, there can be a whole plethora of what we just call the removal colonies, which mm -hmm. are not fully managed yet. They're in some state of disarray or repair or rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. But the managed colonies at the different apiaries, the main apiary that you hear me talk about the most has 26 colonies out there at the moment. And the others are spread out. There's some that are still on ag exemption uh, leases and land. And there's some that are, you know, in random spots, like we had a couple up on top of the hotel, things like that. So Definitely start off slow and grow with that and find your strengths and weaknesses and find your thresholds. And that is the best advice, hands down. Like, don't don't just dive in head first, like get a feel for it and make sure that it's it's good for you and something that's going to be good for you. Because like you heard Ken say, it's a lot of work. It definitely yep. can be a lot of work. And the more colonies you get, the more work it becomes. Yep. And also, don't just buy the boxes off the internet or your, your colonies or your packages. Go find, go talk to somebody like John and say, okay, where can I get local bees? Because now the local bees, I have swarms now, and these swarms uh, are their colonies, of course. Now they're big enough. That, uh, and those, the local bees make a lot more honey than buying packages and raising them because those packages have to acclimate and then they have to, the, the packages may be a nicer bee, uh, but your local bees, the feral bees that we have around here, as John calls them, redheaded mutts. They pretty much know how to take care of themselves, and now they are a little more aggressive. 
And, uh, but, uh, you should go to a local bee beekeeper and say, Hey, do you do splits? Do you do this? Uh, are you wanting to do splits? And if the guy says, yeah, I split, well, you know, I've got a full suit. Would you like a little help? Maybe he'll say yes. Uh, and then could I buy a split or two off of you and start with those bees? Don't go buying packages because uh, out of 11, I lost nine packages out of the first bunch. So yeah, you know, that's a, it's a learning experience. It is for certain. So let's, uh, let's switch over here and talk about some catalysts here for a moment. You have mentioned a couple of times, you've, you mentioned it briefly in passing without any detail to it a couple of episodes back. And you mentioned it on uh, the last bonus episode and you just mentioned it here a minute ago, buying hives from max. So mm-hmm. go ahead and, and let's, let's discuss real quick what has transpired there and uh, kind of what that's going to mean for the future of, of Ken's time here. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, Max is my son. He's uh, 36 years old, got married a few years back, got a one year old boy. And he did, he told, he decided, you know, he started guiding for me, for us. And, uh, he decided, you know, dad, I think I'm going to, uh, his wife wanted to move to the city. So they moved to the city, but anyway, uh, they're going to Lubbock. And so, decided they want to go to Lubbock. Are they going to Lubbock? He got a house hauling everything from here up there. Uh, he came up to me, said, dad, would you, or I asked him, I says, what are you going to do with your hives? Well, I'm, I'm going to sell them. I said, well, how much you want for them? He told me, uh, gave him the money. And, uh, so now I don't have him to help me and I'm going to have to go back to guiding. So, uh, how many colonies did you end up getting out of that? 10 or 12. It wasn't a bunch. Do you know what that makes your total count now? I'm right a little over 20 something. I, I'm, I'm more, <laughs> I, I don't want, I, I didn't want to be, I, well, I wanted to be there when I first started. I wanted 40 hives, 50 hives. But, yeah. You uh, wanted quite a few. Yeah. I won't be doing any splits for a while. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm gonna live. Oh, I gotta tell you, my brother, he texted me, you know, he got that one big swarm, uh, that I sent you the pictures of. And he put them in a box, got them in an eight frame. And he, he's one of these guys, he feeds them quarts of, of one-to-one. And, and he'll, you know, if they'll, if they'll take two quarts or four quarts a week, he feeds it to them. He'll open it up every morning, look in there. Oh, it's empty. Fills it back up. I said, Kelvin, you don't need to feed them that much. And he texted me this morning or yesterday morning. Damn, there's a bunch of bees in there. And right after he put them in an eight frame box, uh, he says, come over here and look at this. So I put my suit on one over. In fact, I gave him one of my full suits. He was just using a jacket. And so I gave him one of my old full, full suits and we opened it up. There was five. This is right after we put this, this bunch in five full frames of brood in there. And that was a, you know, it's, it was a big swarm. Don't get me wrong. It's probably five or six pounds. Well, it's probably five, four or five pounds of bees. We put them in that eight frame box within a week. There was five full frames of brood cat brood. <laughs> and he, uh, 
He says, come here and look at this. And I'm sitting there. Okay. So da, 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 da. I did the numbers. Okay. Those are all hash and she's already laying again. How many bees are on a full frame? About 9,000. If it's solid brood front and back. Yeah, that's what it was. Five of them. So he's already got a a colony of 40,000 bees. <laughs> and, and they were just a swarm. What? Two months ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting there. And he says, these bees are getting mean. I'm glad you gave me this suit. I says, yeah, with that many bees in there. Yeah. They're going to get mean and they're feral bees. So he says, yeah, he says, I think. So he talked to one of the neighbors that has a ranch and, uh, he says, we can move our bees over there. I'm sitting there. I don't like that idea. And there's one place in there. It's got fenced off that the cattle can't get to. So we're going to probably move our bees over closer to him. There must be a bunch of feral bees in there. Cause I, he caught four swarms. This no four swarms last year, three swarms this year. So there's a bunch of bees in that area. So. Well, in, but, in uh, Max's absence, uh, your brother's going to be helping you out now. Oh yeah. Calvin's going to be helping me now. Yep. And we have a, in the subdivision that he lives in, Kelvin lives in my brother. Uh, there's an old beekeeper there that saw our boxes out in front of Kelvin's and he, he stopped me. Kelvin, what are you doing? Oh, we got a few bees. I sure would like getting messing. He said, I had about a thousand colonies when I was, uh, doing it. He says, I wouldn't charge you. Uh, you can just give me a little honey every now and then. <laughs> I said, hire him. I got honey to give him now. So he's going to be helping us some and he's got his own suits and, and, uh, he says, yeah, I said, well, yeah, that might be fun. Let's see, uh, see how, how it's changed from when he was beekeeping to now. I don't know if he had the rural mites is messing, had to fight them then. I don't know how, how long ago it was. So this is going to be, this will be fun, but we'll learn enough off of him also. Uh, you know, so it's going to be a learning experience too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, that's the, that's the next phase and the next step is to have that different perspective and, and hands-on approach and to learn it from somebody like that, that has a whole world of knowledge that is completely separate from what we know of today because they did it in a different time and had so many colonies to go through and do. That'll be a, that'll be a cool kind of adventure and experiment for you and your brother. That'll be a pretty awesome on the, on this, this bunch, this swarm, if they're already 40,000 and she's already laid, a, 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 there's already two more frames of larvae and, and, and eggs in there cause he feeds them so damn much. And he, he, Oh, what's that there? Oh, it's ultra B it's a bee pollen. Oh, so he went out there and took about 10 pounds of that. Yeah, they've taken half of that in already. I'm sitting there. Oh no, you're already feeding them ultra B and you're feeding them one-to-one. I says, these bees are going to blow up. Yeah. I already put another deep box on top of them. I says, why don't you just put a medium? Well, I didn't have a medium. I had a deep with full for all the frames. I says, okay. And it was, uh, <laughs> dr my drawn cone, by the way. So, uh, she went right back to laying in that box. Now I'm sitting there. Yeah. We're going to have to split that before fall. 
No. <laughs> Don't split Before it. winter, I mean, I'm saying, wow. Ah, a big, strong, healthy colony going into winter will help ensure the success and survival of that colony. So just leave it be. Well, I think so. But I tried to talk them into quit feeding them so much. But yeah, <sighs> but they're getting aggressive now. They are feral. So they're aggressive. I mean, when you open it up now, they come right to your face and <laughs> they say, you're ours and we're going to eat you. So I said, we got to get them out of your, your subdivision. We got to get them somewhere. I said, I got places to take them. And then he asked the neighbor, he, uh, if he could put them over there. So then on that ranch, I said, we're going to take a bunch of bees over there. Then I'll probably take well, all the bees that I got from max because they're all feral bees too. So, and you, you had mentioned this when you were talking about max moving and stuff, uh, the, the intro to the show that you have all heard for the last three years, uh, you know, starts off what happens if you take a redneck fishing guide and Ken has had the luxury over the course of this entire podcast to not actually have to do the fishing guiding unless he actually wants to, you know, if there's yep, a, a big name no. person that wants to come out yep. and, and whatnot. Um, but yep. now with, uh, with Max departing, you are going to be going back to your guide service. Yep. Got to go back to guiding, got to make money somehow. You know, radio business is, uh, it makes me a little cash. And, uh, but, uh, going back to guiding, got to keep it going. And okay, he's going into selling solar panels and, uh, seems like maybe he can get you up, guys a discount. You can go off the grid. <laughs> oh, we're going to, oh, I already told him that. And, uh, so Chico, y'all don't know who Chico is, but he's going to put it in too. So yeah. Uh, well, and so speaking uh, of Chico, um, mm -hmm. which is a, a name that's not mentioned very often, but the, that does kind of bridge in just this other little aspect here of something that everyone out there who has enjoyed Ken and all of his antics and banter and stuff over the years, you have a new project in the works and it's, yes. uh, it's not to fruition yet, but you will be doing a new podcast. Untamed heritage. Uh, we've already got the website. In fact, we were using that as, uh, me and Larry Wash and y'all probably heard him uh, trailing the hunter's moon and all that kind of stuff. We oh, had yeah. Larry on yeah. the show as a guest once yeah. before too. So yeah, Larry yeah. and Ken originally did an untamed heritage and then, uh, it kind of went some different directions and, and Larry has switched that over to a new title and a new podcast. And so Ken and Chico and who is the other gentleman that you were talking with? Ryan Hoover. Ryan is a, uh, Ryan's passion is hunting with handguns and he's a gunsmith. And so kind of doing the same thing with, uh, handgun hunting as we did with the beekeeping. And, uh, I'm, I'm using Thompson center contenders and encore pistols and to take our animal it's going to be take it from building the gun or building the weapon to harvesting your animal and then talk, talk about how we're going to harvest then to from that from taking it to table and uh then and we also and instead of just making it all just hunting we're going to put the B aspect into it. And then Chico and I both are foodies. So we, we like to talk recipes and we're going to have different recipes on there of how to, uh, like Chico made a barbecue sauce the other day that's to die for. It's got dab of ketchup, dab of, of mustard, 
It's got pineapple and, and I'm trying to think a, a little bit of sriracha pepper and apple cider vinegar. And I know I was, and, uh, I'm going to put, he used sugar, but I will be using honey. And I mean, it is some kind of good. So yeah, you'll have to, you'll have to go see untamed heritage and you'll have to be listening to that. We'll probably, we're probably several months off yet before we start putting it out, but it will be out there before long. Go, go find untamed heritage on the pod on the website you know you'll yeah, find it's not uh, it's not out there it's not out there yet but i think you guys no. like you do have the site and you've got the other stuff but yeah so no. definitely everybody look forward to that and especially those of everyone who you know enjoys the hunting lifestyle i know we've got a lot of listeners out there that are right there in that same realm and so you know definitely look forward to that and everybody has enjoyed the 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 sweet and savory little cooking corners with Ken. So you've got the opportunity to to hear some of this straight from the hunt to the table and some fun recipes and cool different aspects of uh kind of uh you know the heritage lifestyle of different things that have been passed down from generation to generation. So definitely look forward to that. But on the subject of farm to table and sweet and savories and everything else, how about one final time? It's time to see what sticky situations Ken can get himself into while combining that golden honey goodness into his sweet and savory creations. Welcome to Ken's Cooking Corner. (laughs) I've got a recipe. It's called honey pudding, and I've made this. But now I changed it up. Now, first I'm going to give you the honey pudding. Okay, what you want to do, two cups of whole milk you want to use and you just pour all of this together in a pan two cups of whole milk half a cup of honey three egg yolks don't use the whites just use the yolks you want that's the oil part of it uh then a tablespoon of cornstarch one teaspoon of vanilla extract i put a little more than that uh one i see now they're called crushed graham crackers we're going to change it up here in a little bit but i'm, I'm going to give you that's the recipe okay uh chopped honey roasted peanuts now what you're going to and a little fresh mint now what you're going to do is in a large heavy bottom saucepan whisk together honey eggs uh egg yolks uh cornstarch milk and bought and bring to a boil over a medium heat whisking it stirring it can constantly boil for about a minute, remove from heat, whisk in the vanilla. Cause if you don't put, if you put the vanilla in too quick, it, well, the alcohol goes away anyway, you get the flavor, but, and then pour this mixture into a medium bowl cover and put in a nice box until it gets thick that. And, and then, Oh, then you sprinkle your crushed graham crackers over the top, uh, put a little bit of chopped mint on it. That is honey pudding. Now, what I did is I made honey banana pudding. Use the same recipe. Now, instead of using graham crackers, use vanilla wafers. Cover the bottom of the bowl with vanilla wafers. Dice a little bananas on top of there. Then pour your pudding over the top of that. And I like to layer it. I like 
I like the vanilla wafers. And you don't just have to use vanilla wafers. Something I found, pecan sandies are better than vanilla wafers. But the vanilla wafers and banana pudding, that's 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 uh, what everybody's used forever. But the pecan sandies are really good if you want to try that. It's a little sweeter, by the way. And, but make your pudding. Put uh, on a bowl or, or a pan or, you know, just one of the little covered dishes. Uh, put your vanilla wafers, your pecan sandies, pour a little of the pudding on top of it, dice up a, a little banana, uh, put some more vanilla wafers or pecan sandies on there, put a little more vanilla, uh, put a little more of the pudding on top of that, layer it. That's what I do. Now at the top, when I'm done out of pudding, I just crumble up the vanilla wafers or the pecan sandies on top, put a little more banana on there, let that put it in ice box and let it cool out, chill down. And that was good. It's a, it's a banana pudding. It's a honey pudding made into a banana pudding. It's banana pudding using honey instead of sugar. And it was good. <laughs> I like me some banana pudding. Especially that, that like you were saying, that old world homemade vanilla wafer in there. Like, mm, yep. that's some good stuff. Back, uh, like when you'd go to some barbecue places, like if you go to Rudy's, they would have like the banana pudding off to the side and it'd have the wafers and stuff in it. And I would always have to get me a little tub of the banana pudding. Yep. Uh, a lot of your barbecue places, though, the banana pudding they make is, uh, let's see, let me think. Let me think. Uh, they're using a banana pudding the 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 mix probably an instant mix yeah yeah the the banana pudding mix then they will mix that with uh cream cheese you know warm up the cream cheese whisk that banana pudding into that the mix then they'll put oh i gotta find that recipe but it's good and uh but yeah (laughs) it's rich i will tell you that but uh well, it's been fun to tell everybody the recipes, and, and you're going to find more of these recipes. This is what we're going to be talking about on Untamed Heritage, and uh, we're going to have different different ones going on, Untamed Heritage, Texas. And when we do that, we're going to have, we'll be going to the local re- barbecue places in Texas, different places, uh, you know, restaurants, uh, steakhouses, uh, different restaurants that you've heard about in Texas and eat there. And, uh, uh, it's, it, you know, we're going to the different parks, Texas state parks, uh, federal parks in Texas. Uh, and, and then we'll also be going into New Mexico, uh, when I go hunting and be talking about how I'm hunting with a rifle or if I'm hunting with a Thompson contender or my encore pistol. So, uh, it's gonna be, uh, we're going to keep the, uh, the, the fun going. And, uh, well, I'm having, we'll even been talking, honey, we'll probably have to bring John in and as a guest once in a while, I know we'll be talking honey cause I got bees, you know, we'll keep talking it. <laughs> Well, there you go, everybody. Something to look forward to down the line, uh, opportunity to be able to go through. And also the podcast um, that they're working on, even though that is not out yet, that's not the only place that you can catch Mr. Milam. No, AM no. 1300 The Zone 
every yep. weekend you got two new episodes yep the great outdoors and the sunday sportsman with ken milam you can go find them on am 1300 the zone on podcast and there's thousands of them out there i've been doing that stuff for 11 years so but uh <laughs> yeah we uh we definitely do a little infotainment and I have some very good guests. In fact, John's been guest and, and, uh, Jimmy Houston, I imagine a bunch of you fishermen know who that is. Larry Washington's been guest. Uh, oh, I've had, oh, uncle Ted Nugent. He's been a guest on my show. Uh, oh, I can just, yeah, I've had a lot of, we have a lot of fun doing what we do. <laughs> Larry, the cable guy, Larry, the cable. Oh yeah. Larry, the cable guy was a blast. Uh, I can't think of his real name, but, uh, he was a blast. He was a lot of fun. Me and him got to feeding off of each other and, uh, oh, <laughs> antics <fun>. ensued. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. Uh, it was fun. And, uh, but yeah, once we got to doing that, he says, damn, he says, you're good. I says, no, I just, I was taking your lead and was having fun. He said, well, that's what I was doing. I says, well, there you go. Yeah, I said, if, I'm, if we're not having fun, I ain't doing this stuff. There you go. Absolutely. Well, on behalf of myself and on behalf of the Hive Jive and on behalf of all of our listeners, thank you so much for allowing us to follow you along on the journey and learn from all the different aspects of beekeeping as you went through the process. Literally, the show would not have been anything as to what it was without actually having that aspect that right there is the core of what made the show what it was and and tara when tara and i got done with last week's episode and we were kind of having a little aside chat off to the end there she was like you know it's always pissed me off that you thought of this and brought this up and beat me to the punch because i am always looking for new ways and inventive ways of going through and doing stuff and you know people write books and they teach classes and they do this but you know there's not as many people out there that do a podcast and, and you know there's there's still there's a lot of active ones today but there's still just a handful really and she was like mm -hmm. but the concept of doing it from the perspective of a beginner beekeeper where you're literally walking somebody through it and teaching them on the podcast so that everybody else out there can hear and learn and the wealth of information and knowledge that that has brought to everybody you know beekeepers we had people that were just getting started and we had people that have been keeping bees for 50 years that would write in and be like you know what i i learned something new there's stuff that i never thought of i love the show i love the entertainment factor of it the banter back and forth and literally None of that would have been possible without you allowing us to join you on this journey. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I, I have had fun and thank you. Don't, don't ever say goodbye. We'll say, there you go. We'll see you down the trail family. Y'all be good. You've been listening to The Hive Jive. We appreciate you joining us on our beekeeping adventures. And you can find out more information about today's episode online at thehivejive.com. And as always, thanks for listening.
<laughs> I figured that would get your attention. So, uh, while I have your attention, let me first say one last time, thank you all so much for allowing me to be a part of this adventure with you and for allowing me to share my enthusiasm and joy and love of beekeeping and to help you out on your own beekeeping adventures and journeys. It has absolutely been my honor and pleasure, and I thank you so much for that. And of course, none of this would have been possible without the boisterous Mr. Ken Milam. It was him allowing us to follow him in those footsteps that allowed for all of these training opportunities to help you see what should be done and what shouldn't be done and different concepts that you can use in your own beekeeping, as well as potential pitfalls that can happen while going through the process. And that was absolutely perfect. It couldn't have turned out any better and I thank him and you and everyone for allowing that opportunity and allowing the show to grow into what it has become today. But like all good things, it must come to an end. So, the hive jive is going to go into hiatus for a little while, but I'm actually calling it a pupation cycle. Just like the bees, we started off as this beautiful, pristine little egg that was full of potential and hope and we hatched into this beautiful little larva, and we just started feeding and growing and growing and growing, and, and it became what the show is today. But now it is time for the show to evolve and for the show to change. And to do that, we must go through that evolutionary process. We must go into the pupation cycle so that we can emerge as something new and beautiful and wonderful. And so that's what's going to be taking place behind the scenes. But for everybody out there who has greatly enjoyed the banter between Ken and I, it's not all over just yet. As I mentioned on the last episode, there are 83 bonus episodes that had been released on Patreon, and those episodes are now going to be released to the general public for everybody to hear so that you can have the opportunity to continue that banter and goofiness for a little while longer. Those will be coming out here on the main platform every week for your listening enjoyment. But I should give you a word of caution. The bonus episodes are definitely all over the place. They are not necessarily just beekeeping education. They don't follow any logical format. They're kind of whatever we wanted to talk about. And I think the first one I mentioned is possibly alien bees. So that kind of gives you an idea to set the stage for what this could intentionally be. <laughs> be. <laughs> but there are some educational aspects in there. There's some little nuggets of truth and kernels of wisdom that you can use along the way. But for the most part, it's just entertaining and banter between the two of us. And I hope that you enjoy this as we put it out there. It will give you an opportunity to continue listening to Ken and I a little while longer and also give me the opportunity to take a much needed break and a creative break so that I can work on what the show will be in the future. Now that's right. You did hear that correctly. There will eventually be a fourth season of The Hive Jive, but it's going to be something completely new. So I hope you stick around for that, and I hope to see you back whenever that time comes. And for those of you who have not ever checked us out on Patreon, please do so. There is still content on Patreon that you have not ever gotten the chance to see or hear or experience. And there is new content still regularly being released on Patreon as well. So if you would like to get a head start on some of these potential changes or witness the evolution as we work through some of these changes, Patreon is the place to be. 
But as always, Patreon is not required. It is completely up to you. The levels and tiers are flexible. You can join at one and move up or down as you please. You can leave entirely and come back again later. It is all about what you would like to do and how you would like to support the show. And we are thankful for any of that support that we get. So just keep that in mind. And as always, be good, everybody.